0: I think we've got a wedding coming up. That's so exciting. Uh, and it's like at that moment after the wedding, like you guys can like kind of let your guard down with like, you can like, you can introduce like the crazy cousins that you don't know about yet. Like everybody has that cousin Eddie, you know, in your family. And so Lauren and Blake, were excited for you guys. And um, just, it's true though, right? We all have those family members that, and it might be you, you might be that family member to your family, um, but we all have those family members who are like, oh, like when you're dating someone, and you're like, oh, I just can't, okay, I got to get through like the first three months before they, they meet that person. I got to make sure they really like me before I like let them all in. And, uh, and that's kind of like David's story as we transition into 2 Samuel 13. You are talking about family drama, like David's, David's family is full of it, and here you, we see uh, just crazy family drama in Second Samuel 13 this morning. And let me, uh, let, me, let me pray for us as we jump into this passage this morning. Father, as we look at this uh, passage, um, it's another hard passage, Lord. Uh, honestly, it's one that I would probably never preach if we weren't going through this book. And through this life of David, uh, and Lord, there's going to be a lot of questions after, afterwards. It's just going through our minds of, um, you know, of just suffering and injustice. And Lord, I pray that you would show us how you are so present in our time of sufferings. You've not left us. So Lord, I pray this morning you'd give us uh, just hope in you that we would... Uh, Lift our eyes up to you, Lord, this morning Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear from you And your Holy Spirit That he would speak to our hearts That he would transform us into the image of Christ That we would all leave this place trusting your word and you more and more Lord, I pray all this in Christ's name, amen Uh, So last week we looked at that passage of, uh, of David's um, son who was born from Bathsheba, who died. And so you had like, when you see this, I think there's an intentional transition here in Scripture. In 12, uh, in chapter 12, you see a son with no name. And then you remember after that whole son with no name, it went to the son whom God named. Remember Solomon, how God named him? And then I think intentionally it goes to this son with a shameful name in chapter 13. And so that's where we pick up with this shameful name of Amnon here in chapter 13. So let's read this together. Now, Absalom in verse 1, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her. Let's stop. Let me introduce some of these characters. So Absalom is one of David's uh, sons, and he and Tamar have the same mom um, from David, but Amnon would be like a half-brother. Same dad, David, different mom. Amnon is the oldest son, so he would be the heir. He's, he's the next king, okay? So keep that in mind. It's so important. Amnon would be, I mean, traditionally, he would be the next king. Now, we have, you know, spoiler alert last week with the whole Solomon thing, you know, we know that Solomon's going to be the next king, but from their perspective, Amnon would be the next king. And he loved her. I think there's an intentional play here also with David and Amnon and Bathsheba and Tamar. So if even if, um, if you think of back in chapter 11, if you look at this parallel, um, next slide, 11-2, is where Bathsheba, and look, it says that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. 13.1, now Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar, and after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her. I think there's an intentional play here on Absalom, David, and Bathsheba, and, and, and Tamar. Verse 2, and Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And it seemed impossible to Amnon to do anything to her. So here's this picture Amnon, he thinks she's beautiful. He wants to be with her. Um, for those of you who have seen Gladiator, I mean, you kind of see that same twisted side in that movie with brother wanting sister. Same here, Amnon desiring Tamar. Um, and notice here that, that it, it, it identifies her as his sister, okay? So keep that in mind as we move forward. Verse 3, but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother. So this guy, this, is, this would be Amnon's cousin, right? David's brother's son. So this is Amnon's cousin that he, uh, he, he's, he's meeting with here. And Jonadab was a very crafty man. Maybe your Bible says shrewd man. Uh, That's how he's identified here. He's crafty, shrewd. And he said to him, O son of the king, why are you so haggard morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Notice how he doesn't say I'm in love with my sister. I love, my, I love Absalom's sister. And so he kind of packaged it a little differently to, to um, Jonadab. Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, let my sister Tamar come and give me bread to eat and prepare the food in my sight that I may eat it I um, mean, see it and eat it from her hands. So you see, like, he, he, he wants him to deceive his father. There's deception. He's pretend, you know, this pretend to be ill. Uh, sometimes we, we use, like, we package our words carefully. Pretend really means lie, deceive. But pretend doesn't sound as bad, does it? And, and this whole idea of, of him listening to Jonadab. Let me just ask you, who are you listening to this morning? Who do you seek counsel from? We all have Jonadabs in our lives. But do you, when they give you that false counsel, do you listen? And what, what I've noticed uh, when I'm counseling is that, you know, you can, you can tell within a couple first meetings whether people are listening or not. Uh, a lot of times people just come to counsel and they find, and they just keep moving from counselor to counselor until they find someone that will tell them what they want to hear. And maybe that's the case here. We don't know, but we know that Jonadab's encourage him to deceive his dad to be with his sister. Verse 6, so when the king came to see him, which I think shows us that, that uh, the king cared about Amnon. He, he, he had compassion on him when he heard that he was sick. He came to him. Amnon said to the king, please let my sister Tamar come and make a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat from her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. And so I I don't know. I mean, there's wise counsel you see from David, but here's one where you see, like, did David assume anything? It didn't seem like he assumed anything. But it, it, you think there'd be other people that could have done this, but he sends Tamar, so... It, Seemed innocent to David, apparently. Verse 8, So Tamar went to her brother's Amnon's house where he was lying down. And she took dough and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and emptied it out before him. But he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Send out everyone from me. So everyone went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the chamber that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes uh, she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon her brother. But when she brought them near to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, "Come, lie with me, my sister." I mean just think how how dark your heart would have to be to be in this point. I mean to get to this level She answered him, No, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Uh, Now, therefore... Please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he would not listen to her. And being stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. All right, let's, let's kind of unpack this. This is, this is, this is crazy. I mean, this is, this is God's word. And you see this crazy, six story here. Um, she confronts him. She says, "No, you know, do not do this." And she and she says, "You know, um, for such a thing is not done in Israel." She's she's pointing back to the law that this is not lawful. This is not good. This is not who we are as people of God. That God's called us to live a certain way, and this is not the way. Do not do this thing. Not only this thing, but notice she qualifies it: this outrageous thing. Uh, and that that word that out. Here, this Hebrew word outrageous thing, and then we see again, um, and as for you, you would be as one uh, of the outrageous fools in Israel. She's not just talking about right now in Israel, like there's always like maybe that crazy guy in in town. Uh, She's not talking about just the outrageous, crazy guys right now in Israel. She's talking about in the history of Israel. Like, you're gonna, your name, if you do this, your name is going to go down as one of those guys who Israel will always remember as one of those outrageous guys. In fact, this, there's a, just as I, I think there's a correlation between um, Amnon and David and Bathsheba and Tamar, I also think she's pointing us back to Genesis 34, verse 7. Genesis 34 is a very similar passage. It's where... Um, Jacob, who's who's Israel, you know, he he has Joseph, the coat of many colors. And so one of his daughters, her name is Dinah, um, she is raped. And here, this is what Genesis 34 is talking about, verse 7. The sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they heard of it, that Dinah was raped. And the men were indignant and very angry because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel. By lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing must not be done. He, wasn't, he didn't just have sex with her. He raped her. He took her. He defiled her. And the way that these guys sought out vengeance uh, is absolutely crazy. So some of you who are reading through the Bible this year, you've already read through Genesis, right? And you remember this story, that Genesis 34, the brothers, they go to this guy's house and to his father. And they say, look. In our custom, if you do this, you have to take her as your wife. You have to make this right, and you have to marry her. So you got to marry my sister now. And they go, well, okay, we can do that. And they say, well, also you have to understand that in our custom, that uh, we are circumcised people. So we know that you, being Gentiles, you're not circumcised. So also, if you want to marry our sister, you and all of your men need to be circumcised. So this guy tells the entire village, like, okay, like, we're going to do this. We're going to make this thing right. We're all going to be circumcised. And so later in this chapter, they wait on the third day, and the Bible says on the third day they were all sore. Go figure. And so when they were all sore and they couldn't move, these brothers go in and they kill all, kill them all. They just go in and just stab them. I mean, that's how they sought out vengeance. Here, so here Tamar is tying us back to this story. Like, don't do this outrageous thing. You're going to be like that guy who did that outrageous thing. Do you want to be like him, Amnon? Just think about it, because that's who you're going to be. You're going to be one of those outrageous fools in Israel. But notice Tamar. Look at this. Go, go, go back to verse, uh, to, to verse um, 13 14, that previous slide. I want you to see this. Look what she says. She says, Now therefore, please speak to the king for he will not withhold me from you. See what Tamar is doing? She's saying, this is wrong. I know it's wrong. The Torah says it's wrong. But if this is what you want, go talk to our dad. And if dad says... It's okay. You guys go ahead and be married. I'll marry you, but please don't do this. At least marry me. Make it right. I mean, that's Tamar. Wow. And she's like, just make it right. Don't do this. But Amnon would not listen to her. And being stronger than she, he violated her. And he lay with her. It's a crazy story. Verse 15, it gets worse. Then Amnon hated her with very great hatred. I mean, if hate is not strong enough, it's very great hatred. So that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he loved her. But Amnon said to her, Get up, go. But she said to him, No, my brother, For this is wrong, in sending me away is greater than the other thing you did to me. I mean, you see Tamar's heart? I mean, man. But he would not listen to her. I mean, he listens to Jonadab, but he wouldn't listen to, to Tamar. He called the young man who served him and said, Put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. Now she was wearing a long robe with sleeves, for thus um, were the virgin daughters of the kings dressed. So the servant put her out and bolted the door after her. So basically, you could look at see what a lady was wearing and knew if she was taken or not taken, if she was a virgin or if she had been with a man by what she wore. Um, maybe today with a ring, in some ways, you go, know, oh, she's married. I need to not flirt with her. So long robe, you knew that she wasn't taken. So she had this long robe. Um, she gets put out, bolt the door. Um, verse 19. And Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long robe that she wore. And she laid her hand on her head and went away crying aloud as she went. Now, um, ashes are a symbol of extreme grief or um, repentance or humiliation. So she marks herself with this humiliation. It's a, it's a way that people would know something's wrong. Um, and then you notice she, she tore the robe to say, I, I'm, I'm unclean. Um, I've been violated. And she went and she just started weeping. Uh, have you been sinned against? I know a passage like this, maybe stirring some emotions from childhood or something, um, or stories of a friend. I can't imagine Tamar leaving, what she's feeling right now, and how she's just seeking, you know, just hope from someone. I just gotta cry out, I'm weeping, someone um, hold me. You know, even the, the, the question, um, where could I carry my shame? And to think, right now she just she's feeling so dirty, and she's and she's running, crying, weeping. Who do you run to in that moment? I mean, who's that person you run to? I want you to look look at Tamar. Verse 20, and her brother Absalom. I mean, now this is, Amnon was her brother, but half-brother. But this is Absalom. This is her whole brother. Same mom, same dad. This is her brother. Her brother said to her, has Amnon, your brother, been with you? Now, now, somehow word has already traveled. Um, Word has gotten out. I mean, how else would it? Absalom, know this. Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? Now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this to heart. Uh, So Tamar lived, a desolate woman, in her brother Absalom's house. you, You see, you know, she's weeping. She's got ashes on her. She sees her big brother. and She's like, oh, he, you know, he will console me. And the counsel he gives her is, you know, you can't bring this up to anyone. Uh, this is like the the whole, uh, the frozen Elsa, just let it go. <laughs> you know, don't take us to heart. Just let it go. And you're just like, what in the world, like, Don't take this to heart. And Absalom, he doesn't say anything. Oh, but, you know, when dad finds out, I'm sure dad's going to, dad's going to get him. Wait till dad finds out. Verse 21. Well, when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. All right. So David's furious. I mean, I just as I was preparing this message I just kept thinking you know there's the whole what would I do what should I do you know uh, and I'm just thinking like what if what if I find out somebody does something to one of my little girls somebody would molest them or when they get older they get raped as a dad I mean dad's right now are you with me like just the anger or rage that would Come up inside me. I, I don't want to rip the guy's head off. That's what I'd want to do. I know what I should do, and we'll, we'll get to what we should do, but let's just be real this morning, and just your initial response is like, "I want to kill that guy. In your flesh, you want to seek vengeance. And David's angry. Now, some of your Bibles may have a footnote here that reads this, that um, in the Dead Sea Scroll. Which is um, it's a script that uh, that some some people found in caves right outside of uh, Jerusalem near the Dead Sea. That's why they're called Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, and then also from the Septuagint. Septuagint is it's actually the the oldest Old Testament that we have. It's 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 written in Greek. And uh, and both of those manuscripts actually have a little um, extra writing here. It says. Uh, Um, But he would not punish his son, Amnon, because he loved him since he was first born. So that maybe gives us some insight that David was angry. Um, But in verse 22, we also see uh, Absalom. But Absalom um, spoke to Amnon neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon. Because he had violated his sister, Tamar. So here you have Tamar, this terrible, you know, instance of suffering, of being raped. And she goes to her brother, and brother says, ah, just let it go. Don't worry about it. Don't take it to heart. It's not a big deal. And maybe Absalom's thinking, hey, Ammon's going to be the next king. Let's not rock the boat, Tamar. We just just eat face right now and just don't worry about it. David, uh, we, we saw that the Septuagint and Dead Sea Scrolls give us some, maybe some insight to why. That Amnon was the first son and so he was going to be the king. And so let's not mess this up right now. Um, I, I just wonder if David maybe blames himself here. I mean, he's the one who sent Tamar in. To Amnon. So maybe, maybe David's like, oh, what did, what did I do? That was terrible counsel. Or, or maybe David goes, who am I to judge? I, I just did something very similar this time last year. And, and how can I confront Amnon when I took um, Bathsheba and murdered a man? We, we don't know the exact answer, but we know they did Nothing. They did nothing. They were angry. They were mad. And all Absalom does well, I'm just not going to talk to him. I'm going to ignore him. Because that fixes the problems, right, when we ignore them. That's kind of how my family has operated over the years. We just don't talk about it, and then it will just go away. That never <laughs> works. It always becomes worse. And so... There's this picture here of we have to reconcile things. We have to talk. We have to stand up for injustice. Transition, verse 23. Look at this. After two full years. After two full years. Two years have gone by. Absalom's still upset. It says here Absalom had sheep shears. At Bel Hazar. Now, what does that mean? What, what's the, why does the Bible mention sheep shears? This is a time of uh, celebration uh, where you would, um, you would slaughter sheep and have a big, big party. And so, um, these bring, Absalom has these sheep shears, which is um, Bel Hazar, which is near Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons. Okay, that's important. All the king's sons, he's been invited. So Amnon will be a part of this. This is a big party. So Absalom's just saying, hey, I'll, I'm going to invite everybody. All, all my brothers are invited to this big party. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold, your servant has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. So here Absalom's thinking, well, I'll invite David so it doesn't look too obvious. So he invites his dad. But the king in verse 25 says to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go, lest we be burdensome to you. He pressed him, but he would not go, but gave him his blessing. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. Now, again, David, you would think, why does he want Amnon to go so badly? Why didn't he bring up all the other brothers? And the king said to him, why should he go with you? Good question. But Absalom pressed him until he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. So maybe he said, hey, they'll all come. I'm not going to do anything when they're all there. Come on, dad. Then Absalom commanded, verse 28, his servants, mark when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not fear. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. So here's this, uh, I mean, this is Absalom learning from his dad, right? His dad did it. Killed Uriah, a friend. And so now Absalom's going to kill his own brother. But he's, you know, he's not going to do it. He's going to have his... His men do it, his servants. So basically when Amnon gets drunk, you say, all right, he's drunk, kill him. Verse 29, so the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose and each mounted his mule and fled. Now these are the verses like, I'm like, do you really need that in there? Like, I mean, you think, like, you're all at this party, Brother, oldest brother gets drunk, and he gets stabbed, and he's dead. What What are you gonna do? I'm getting out of there. I'm getting on what was he get the mule, and I'm leaving. And I couldn't help to think. Now remember this, this is that whole family drama. You remember remember back in chapter nine. This is this is right before David just this story just. This is when he was still like David. Like look how great he is, and we we're all like. I love to be like David. Remember the story of him and uh, uh, Mephibosheth? Remember that guy who, like, I can't pronounce his name? Like, here's this guy who was the enemy. He was the son of, of, of the enemy king. David brings him in, and what does he make him? You remember this? Back in chapter 9, I kid you not, when I went back to just to find the verse, you know, what, you know what the address is? 911. I'm like, whoa, that's, that's kind of weird that in 9-11, that um, David says to Mephibosheth, I'm going to make you as one of my sons. At that point, Mephibosheth's like, yeah, I, I'm a son of the king. I get to eat at the table. At this point, you remember, he's the lame guy, like he couldn't walk. At this point, I wonder, like when it says, then all the king's sons arose, is Mephibosheth at this party. At that point, you think like he like limps back to David and is like, hey, dad, you know, it's been great, you know, this whole adoption thing and you bringing me in and the whole table eating with the food. The food's been great. But you guys are kind of crazy. And like Mephibosheth just like limps back out of there. Like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm not staying. And so they all leave. But look what happens in verse 30. While they were on their way, news came to David. Absalom has struck down all the king's sons, and not one of them is left. See, this is why I know that David was part of a Baptist convention. Because that's not what happened, but that's what David heard. And I can't tell you how many times, like, in church culture, like, like something happens, and then by the time he like, how did it get to this? And so somehow by the time it got to David, everybody's dead. And so you can imagine David, you see in verse 31, then the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the earth and all his servants who were standing by and tore their garments. Remember how he lamented over his son, um, his infant son that God, you know, took. And so here, now all the sons, he thinks, at least in this moment, everybody's gone. All my children are gone. Verse 32. But Jonadab, the son of uh, Shemiah, David's brother, said, Let not my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons. For Amnon alone is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day he violated his sister Tamar. So Jonadab knew that Absalom had been plotting this for two years. But Jonadab did nothing. He didn't stand up for Amnon. Verse 33. Now therefore, let not my lord the king so take it to heart as to suppose that all the king's sons are dead. For Amnon alone is dead. Because that makes it better, right? That just, I mean, basically, Jonah, I'm saying, it's, it's just Amnon. Nobody really liked him anyways. Like, who cares? It's not all your children. So don't, you know, same advice, let it go. Don't take it to heart. So what do we do with this passage? Absolutely crazy. There's a lot, and I, I really am praying that the Holy Spirit speaks to you for specific application. I don't want to feed too much application to you. Because I think a passage like this, it could hit each of us different ways. But here here are some thoughts. I think there's a picture of quick reconciliation. And as we prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper, that's part of what the Lord's Supper prepares us to do, is to reconcile with one another. Don't take of this cup um, if you have unforgiveness in your heart. I think there's a picture here of receiving wise counsel. That you need to be careful who you allow to speak into you. Don't just allow anybody to speak into your life. You need to find people who love Christ and obey Christ and let them speak into your life. Along with God's word. This picture of Tamar asking, you know, where can I carry my shame? Uh... I think I think it points us to Christ that Christ Christ bears your shame that Jesus stands for those who've been violated. And this is a hard passage. I'm just just honest this morning. Just it, this is tricky. Um this whole, you know, this this picture of of David being this king and and being angry but doing nothing and I need to confess like there's there's things that I am angry about. There's injustice. And I just go, what am I doing about it? You know, two years have gone by. But how many years have gone by in my life for things? Am I really fighting for injustice? And now there's ways to fight injustice. Romans 12 speaks to the church. This is how God tells us how we fight for injustice. Romans 12, look at this. Repay no one evil for evil. Give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil, Uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is a hard passage to to live out. That's not our default as humans. Somebody wrongs us, we want to wrong them. But here's this picture of this promise that every wrong that's ever happened to you, there's this picture of you don't seek out vengeance, but understand that that wrong that has been done to you, that God will take care of that, that you don't have to seek it out. God will judge that. He will handle it. Vengeance is the Lord's. And as a church, man, we can't just be angry about injustice in this community around the world and sit idly on our hands and do nothing about it. We have to stand up for those without a voice. Things like abortion. I'm angry at abortion, but what do I do about it? I'm excited about uh, next month, we've got a, um, a Sunday evening, just a, uh, I don't know, it's a little bit of training, a little bit of information, Sunday evening service, um, but just we're going to focus on adoption and fostering. And uh, I'm excited, uh, we have some ladies here in the church that are going to lead that and um, some help of others, and it's just going to be a great night next month, you know, that's that's part of, you know, um, telling women, like, don't ab- abort this child, and uh, we, we will take it. We will take that child. Tur- the church has to stand up. We have to fight. This is a way. I think about Spring Hill. You know, we've got our foot in the door over there, and, you know, that's a, that's a community of Huntington I think that many would call the least of these. They get overlooked. And I love that we at least are at least going over and um, loving on them. And I think there's so much more we can do there. I think about the drug addictions here in Huntington, just how even people take advantage of them. Uh, The counseling center, there's just so many counseling centers that are around Huntington that focus on drug addictions. But you know, a a lot of them are, are focused on Um, we get them in, we have them for 30 minutes, and we're just pumping them in and moving them. We don't really, at the heart of it, is not motivation to, to help them. It's we know that they have a problem. The government will fund that problem and we'll benefit from it. That's an injustice. I would love for this church to have a counseling center to where all of this drug addictions, they can come and we don't just spend 30 minutes with them, but we walk with them through the week, that we love on them without sharing the gospel. I think that's an injustice. That, that we have the greatest news ever and it's, it's really the only answer to a lot of these things. And yet, we go to work, we go back to our neighborhoods, we go off to class, to your dorm, and we don't say anything anyone about the gospel some of you may maybe just i don't know what to say i don't know how to say it i hope it's not a i don't think it's because you don't love them i think it's just maybe an idea uh, maybe just a lack of training on on our end and so part of this to help help us to be more bold to overcome this injustice of silence the next two weeks march 12th and 19th sunday evenings we're going to on a two-week on how to share your faith. I encourage you to come next Sunday evening and the following Sunday right here. Because I think most of you want to share your faith. You see that people are dying without this hope of, of Jesus. Maybe you just don't know how to do it. You just don't know what to say. Come. just want to challenge you to come. Well, where do we see the gospel in this passage? As I just search my heart, I just, I just think, uh, like, who am I in this passage? I, I think that uh, I, and I think if you search your heart, I think maybe we are more like Amnon than we want to admit. As Amnon did this outrageous thing to Tamar, if we just read the Bible and see how Bi- the Bible describes us, we have done an outrageous thing to God. That God has entered into this relationship with us. And and Hosea uses strong language of you've whored after other things. And we've made a a mess, a mockery of our relationship with God. And so just search your heart this morning. Are you more like Amnon? Where you've not been very, you know, you've just done outrageous things against God. Um, Maybe you can identify with every character in this passage and you know, maybe you're more like Tamar maybe you've been um, maybe you've been abused as a child as an adult just want to encourage you that that Christ Christ is with you that Christ carries your shame maybe you feel more like Absalom and David where you're angry at the things going on in this world, but you just are just sitting quietly. Just, it doesn't impact my life, so just it's out there. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper, I just want you to search your heart. You have unforgiveness this morning. I pray you'd let it, let it go to God, that you'd turn to Him, that you'd give it to Him. As David challenged us even from that Philippians 4. Sixth passage, to give your anxieties to God.